Are you a business owner or entrepreneur who's had great success in the business world? And now you want to launch a speaking career to share your message with the world. If that's you, then listen up. 25-year speaking industry veteran Brett Ridgway has released his latest special report, Three Key Things Entrepreneurs Must Master to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. To pick up your copy, go to brettridgeway.com forward slash freebie. Welcome to the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway, where you'll learn the keys to building a profitable speaking business from speaking industry pros. Each week, we interview a great guest who will share his or her speaking journey, identify what their keys to success have been, and highlight some critical mistakes they've made along the way that you'll want to avoid. Be sure to visit our website at spotlightonspeaking.com. And while you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet this week's guest. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway. I'm your host, and I am excited to have as my guest today, Connie Reagan Green. Connie is a former classroom teacher and a real estate appraiser who left it all behind to come online in 2006. As a best-selling author of more than 20 books, she's an independent publisher, an international speaker, and an entrepreneur. She serves others on six continents by helping new authors, speakers, and entrepreneurs to build their own lucrative online business. Connie has also acted with several nonprofits, including Rotary International, the Boys and Girls Club, Xanta, and C International. Awesome. Well, welcome, Connie Rakin Green, to the Spotlight on Speaking Show. Thank you so much, Brett. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, I got to ask you this. Is, so this is totally off topic, Connie, but I do a lot of charity work myself. So I'm not familiar with, with Zonta or C International. So what's the mission of those two organizations? All right. So Zonta is a women's business organization and it's international. Okay. And they do a lot of work for women. And they also do a film festival every year where it's based on the struggles of women around the world. And I learned many things that were going on in the world that I had no idea about by being in that group. C International was originally here in Santa Barbara, but now they've expanded their, their worldwide as well. And what they do is they restore sight for people in underdeveloped and third world countries that they have some kind of situation that all it takes is a fast surgery so they're on, it's almost like uh, the Doctors Without, Without Borders, but they're right. only doing vision. And locally, that started in Santa Barbara, but has expanded. They provide eyeglasses for students, anybody under 18 that can't afford them. So it's right. great work. Oh, awesome. So thank you for all your work on behalf of others. So, but let's talk about your work now. And so obviously the focus of this particular podcast is people's speaking journey and all that. So you and I have known each other for, it's coming up on 20 years now, mid, mid 2000s, moving forward and all that. So it's been a while since we chatted, but, uh, you know, kind of take us back through your journey and you started helping people online, but when did speaking become a part of your marketing mix? All right. Well, what's amazing, Brett, is that we have known each other almost 20 years, but I'm still 39. I, I'm sticking with that. So, right. <laughs> so I had been you a might, teacher. You might be selling. I haven't decided if I'm buying yet or not, Connie. <laughs> <laughs> so I had been a classroom teacher 
and also worked in real estate. So when you're teaching, you obviously must speak in front of a class. And then at other times, you have a larger group of students that you're speaking in front of. But I never thought of speaking as something that I would get involved with. So I come online and I realize I need to start writing, but I also need to speak. I need people to hear me share the message that is part of my business and part of my dream and goal for them. And I was scared to death. So that's when I had started to go to Rotary. So I was brand new in Rotary in 2006. And all of a sudden we had all kinds of projects. We were doing local projects and they started to just thrust the microphone into my hands and want me to tell about the project. And I, I was so nervous. And I would say, on Saturday, if, if you could please join us. And I would just kind of fade away. And finally, I would just close my eyes and put my hand back out and someone would take the microphone from me. And my face and my ears would be red. And I thought everybody was staring at me. It was so miserable. It was so uncomfortable. And I thought, I have to get past that. What can I do? So I started talking to people and I even went to Toastmasters, but that wasn't a good fit for me. And I remember someone there saying, but what do you mean you are nervous speaking in front of people? You were a teacher. And I said, well, yeah, in front of kids of any age, no problem. But put me in front of a staff meeting with the other teachers, administrators, and I just couldn't do it. It was so difficult. So I didn't, I didn't continue with Toastmasters. But at Rotary, one day they asked me to share what I was doing online because nobody there was familiar with online marketing or anything really online. Most of them didn't have a website or anything in 2006, very few. And so I said, well, okay. So I put together a PowerPoint presentation and it was short. I think I had 20 minutes and I got up there and the big screen was in front of me. So I had my back to them, but I kept turning around and I had given them a one page handout that gave a little information about what I was showing. And during that time, I thought, well, gee, I, I really do kind of like this and they want to hear me and they're not staring at me or judging me. And I thought, you know, maybe I can do this. And so within a few months, they asked me to see. So my, our, our group, our Rotary Club was 50, 60 people. Within a few months, they asked me to speak at a district meeting that was about 300. And I did all right there as well. People raised their hand and asked questions. And it felt good. And I thought, well, you know, maybe I can start doing this. And that was my first introduction to actually doing public speaking, doing it at the Rotary events. So you and I both come out of the internet slash information marketing world and we've crossed paths at many conferences over the years and have been involved in mastermind groups together and, and such. So when did you move out of the, let's say, call it the nonprofit sector of your speaking <laughs> and get into the speaking to sell world, so to speak? All right. Well, yeah, so that transition took a little longer. And I remember saying no and making excuses to two different people who wanted me to come to their event and to speak. And I, you know, I, I thought I just can't do it. I'm just too afraid. And so I didn't do it. So I said no and didn't really feel bad about saying no. I felt that I had to say no. So then when I was, you know, first connected with you, I was in Armin Morin's group. And with that group, I can remember going to the big seminar one year and they had people up on the stage and they were doing the better your best contest. There were about five or six of them. And I even remember a couple of, of the people and I thought, wow, that's so amazing. They're able to get up there and share the story of how they've grown their business. And then somebody was the winner and they had runner ups and everything. And I thought, wow, you know, that wouldn't ever be me, but that's so exciting. Within a few months, I decided to jump into the contest for the following year. 
And I signed up and I thought, well, but maybe I won't get all the way. I won't be a finalist. I wouldn't have to get up on the stage. But sure enough, I worked really, really hard. And I thought, you know, I want to win this contest. I really do. I worked so, so hard. Sure enough, I was one of the, I think there were, there were five finalists that year in my, in my memory. And we were in uh, Las Vegas at the M Hotel. And I can remember going in the day before into the big room. They were just setting it up. And George Callens was there. And I said, George, would I be able to go up on the stage and see what it's like to look out into the audience? And he said, well, yeah, of course. So I went up there and it looked really quiet and calm and nice. I thought, well, this is easy. Nobody was there. <laughs> they were still setting up the, the seats and everything. And in the back was the timer. And George says, yeah, that'll be the timer because I had four minutes to deliver my talk. And if you went over that, you were disqualified. And I, so I practiced it about a million times. But that, you know, being up there and I thought, you know, OK, so I'm here to do it. I'm going to do it. And sure enough, the event started and it was the following night and I went up there and as I looked into the audience, I thought, you know, these people are for me. These people want me to succeed. These people don't want to see me stumble or forget what I was going to say or something. And I did my speaking and one of my clients was actually in the first row. And as that clock started to count down, I saw her getting nervous. And she started to kind of move her hands a little bit, but I knew what I was doing. And I waited until I had 10 seconds left. And I said my final thing. Thank you very much. My name is Connie Reagan Green. And I stepped back. And at that moment, my life changed forever. It changed in my mind, in my thinking, in what I knew I could do. And then because of winning the contest, it changed in big ways as well. So it was such a remarkable experience for me, life-changing. And I'm so glad that I did it. All right, so now you you have spoken at a number of other conferences over the years since then and and truly polished up your speaking abilities. So when you speak these days, Connie, or when you let's let's roll back first. When you first started speaking, what was your go-to topic? What would you typically speak about at the conference? I would speak about how people could get started with an online business by setting up a blog and writing blog posts. And then using those blog posts to create short reports. And finally, I, I wrote my first book with blog posts. It was Huge Profits with a Tiny List, 50 Ways to Use Relationship Marketing to Increase Your Bottom Line. And I wrote 50 articles, and that was what made up the book. So I was teaching something that I knew really well. And so that was comfortable for me. And if people ask questions, I always had good ideas for them. All right, so in the world that we come from, which is the platform selling world, that's just one of the primary types of speakers in my mind. The others are obviously the keynote speaker and the person who is just, I call a business builder speaker. So they're a chiropractor, a financial planner, whatever, speaking to the rotary groups or whatever, as you started out with. So have you played in the other worlds at all? And what kind of speaker do you primarily consider yourself to be? Well, what's interesting now is at Rotary over the years, one time I, I had the microphone and I said, do you remember when I was so so nervous? I was so afraid to speak and, and it was so horrible. And everybody in the group said no. And they didn't remember. Well, now the joke at any place I go that's you know like a nonprofit, something like that, you can't get the microphone away from me. Very difficult. Once I have it, I'm going to keep talking. So I've done different things over all these years, but primarily I like to sell from the stage. That's very empowering to me. And I do keynotes. I've done several keynotes, 
where you don't sell anything, but I love to share my ideas. I love to lead people right up to that point where it makes sense for them to buy what I've been sharing with them in terms of a product or a course or a program. Mm -hmm. So when you get up in front of the room, what is your best advice, Connie, on how to truly build rapport with that audience so that your message resonates? You want to know your topic and you want to know the goal of your speaking. So is that goal, like what you were saying earlier, just, just to inform people, just to connect with people, or do you want them to take an action? So if you want them to sign up on your list, because now when I speak to smaller groups, my goal is to get people to sign up on my list if they feel like I'm a good fit. But you have to know your goal. You can't be up there and be speaking and this and that. And then at the end, say, oh, yeah, I should have offered you know a product or a course. No, no, no. You want to have that in place. And also, I've moved way far away from PowerPoint. So I recently spoke for a group of small business owners up in the San Francisco Bay Area. And I had a PowerPoint that I think had four slides or five slides and very few words on any of the slides. And so that way it gave them something to look at, something interesting. And I was talking about uh, breaking through the supposed glass ceiling, you know, as a woman in business that there really has never been a ceiling and there won't ever be. You just have to do what you're going to do. So I think knowing your topic, knowing what you want the people to do and giving them that that space to take it in, make some notes, and then ask you questions. And all the questions, all roads lead to what you wanted them to do. So when you showed up there, wherever it was, virtual or in person, you already knew what you wanted as many people of, as possible in that audience to do. So are you one that typically will take questions from the audience, Connie? Because some will say that as a speaker, you need to control your speaking environment as much as possible. And giving up the microphone in any form can be dangerous. How do you respond to that? Yeah, I, I agree pretty much with that. So I don't want to take audience, uh, questions from the audience until the end. And then I, I will say something like, I believe we have time for four or five questions. So if you can you know, keep them as short as possible, I will be here afterwards for a little bit if, you, if your question doesn't get answered. So I do it like that. So I feel like I am in control because it's, it's really a wonderful sense of power, but not in a negative way, because when you have taken that time and effort to prepare something and to show up for a group of people and to share information with them that has been, you know, so important for you as the speaker, and you want them to benefit from that and see if that experience would be right for them. If I talk to groups of authors over in the UK, I speak to groups of authors a couple of times a year. And they love to hear the story of my writing path and everything that I did leading up to blogging and then writing the first book and, and going on. So when you can get them to be on that journey with you, hold their attention and really, you know, and, and I'm, I try to be funny, I guess, but if you're trying to be funny, sometimes that falls flat. So if I say something and people, you know, giggle or chuckle or something, then it's been something natural that's come from it. Because I don't, the only thing I've ever memorized was for the Better Your Best contest, the four minutes. I don't memorize anything else. Because when you're speaking on your topic, pretty much you know your topic. And if you have a slide with 
you know, a phrase or a picture, then that jogs your memory as to what you wanted to share at that point. So, Connie, in the platform selling world, success is primarily measured in terms of dollars and cents. So have you ever had a situation where you felt like you delivered a knockout presentation, but the dollars and cents didn't come? And, and did you feel badly about that or say, hey, I did. I delivered the message and it, for whatever reason, it just didn't hit this time. Well, yeah. So, so there are times when, you know, you feel like, well, but see, even if I don't sell anything, which has happened, I still am getting people on my list. I'm still building that relationship with them. And many times, those are the people that will spend the most time and money with me in my mentoring programs a year or two or three later. So I don't ever feel like, oh, no, you know, nobody bought anything. This this was a failure. I've never, ever felt that way. Yes, it's better when they're when they're buying. But I think with groups that I speak to, we, we don't ever have people racing to the back of the room for for things that I do. It's more calm. <laughs> but it's always it's always a win when you deliver a message to one or more people it's always a win because those people if you your message resonates with them they're going to write down your name they're going to go to your website you'll hear from them at some point and that's okay because we don't know what the situation is for the people in the audience maybe somebody just had a death in the family or lost a job or went through I've gone through hurricanes and earthquakes maybe they just went through something and they're hearing you but they're not ready to make a connection with you so that's okay that's all right all right so I've got some more ground I want to cover with you Connie but before we do let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor are you a business owner or entrepreneur who's had great success in the business world and now you want to launch a speaking career to share your message with the world if that's you then listen up 25-year speaking industry veteran Brett Ridgway has released his latest special report, Three Key Things Entrepreneurs Must Master to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. To pick up your copy, go to brettridgeway.com forward slash freebie. So we are back with the Spotlight on a Speaking Show and my guest, Connie Reagan-Green. So, Connie... Obviously, you've written 20 books or whatever, and everybody should say that speakers should have multiple books out there as lead generators for their speaking business. So first question related to that is, how do you decide what you're even going to write about in your next book? Well, yeah, and right now, actually, I'm I'm working on my 28th book right now. Very excited to be out in the next month I, or so. I feel so. like such an underachiever, Connie. I've only written eight. <laughs> <laughs> so um how do i decide what to write about i think it's based on my interactions with people in my community so my list my social media people that are in my courses and programs and you know mentoring things like that and when they have questions about something then i always feel like yeah it's time to really write a book about that so they've been mostly you know nonfiction; they're business books but i have one that's a book of essays and it's called Essays at the Intersection of Hope and Synchronicity. And that's based on true stories that with a little change, I, I don't share uh, private, you know, personal names or anything like that. But I started a third blog and I started writing articles and finally I started sharing them. And finally, I put those in a book. But for the most part, I'm teaching people about some aspect of marketing. I do have one book on speaking, 
that I co-authored with Ellen Finkelstein, if you know her, and we've written two books together. We wrote one for um, speaking and one for authorship. So I want to write about things that I know about and that people have been asking me about. That's always a good guidance for me. So would your advice to a speaker who has not written their first book be to self-publish or hybrid publish or traditional publish or what? Well, I have only self-published and I started my own publishing company, which sounds very fancy and expensive and complicated, but actually I bought a domain, Hunter's Moon Publishing, and I set that up. And then I went to Bowker, which is the ISBN, the International Standard Book Number uh, Office in the United States. Every country has their own. And I bought 100 ISBNs. And so I've, I've been able to self-publish all these years. I did have Wiley and Sons reach out to me after I had written about four books, I believe. And I was so flattered. And they wanted to publish one of my books on affiliate marketing. And I looked through it. And I sat down with an attorney. And we went through it. And I would have lost all the rights to my content. And I thought, you know, I think that's not for me right now anyway. So I was very gracious and I thanked them and I said, you know, not at this time, but thank you so much for, for reaching out to me. So I handled it that way. Yeah. So it's interesting that now my writing has taken kind of a different turn and I'm writing scripts and screenplays. So with that, you have to have representation. It's a whole different thing. But for the people in the business world, so if you're a speaker, you want a book. You definitely want a book and you want a book probably not about speaking is going to be my recommendation for the first book. It's more about you and what you're doing and perhaps what's leading up to you being a speaker. But I really prefer self-publishing. I think that there's so many benefits to it and it's so simple and inexpensive. I think that's the way to go. Have your own ISBN number, though. OK, so let's roll back around to your speaking journey. And my my favorite question is, all right, let's bear your soul a little bit here, Connie. Share some mistake you made along the way in your speaking journey that was embarrassing at the time, but a valuable <laughs> lesson was learned, and it would be something you would advise aspiring speakers not to do. All right, I'm laughing because the one I'm going to share comes to mind so, so quickly. So I had heard Matt Basic speak. He's a well-known marketer at one of the uh, events that we were all at. And I connected with Matt. And a year later, he invited me to come to Atlanta and to speak at his event. And I, this is an early time. So this was probably 2000, late 2007, early 2008, I'm going to say. And I was so nervous. And his assistant wrote to me and said, we don't have your PowerPoint. And I said, no, no I'm not going to use the PowerPoint. And he called me up and said, create a PowerPoint. You have to have a PowerPoint. So I did. So I have had the PowerPoint and I was going to talk about pretty much my journey of, you know, where where I was going with my business. So I called a friend and I said, I need something to wear. I'm speaking on a big stage and I need something to wear. So she took me shopping. She picked out things. I tried them on. And so I was set with that. My mother said, now make sure that you wear your nice shoes. And so I had my nice shoes. So I had everything ready. I had my PowerPoint. I had my outfit and I had my shoes. I arrive and I get there and I was a little nervous because there were so many people and Ray Edwards was also one of the speakers or other people, you know, big, big names already. And so I, it was my turn. I was, I was ready. I had a time slot. And when I got up there and I started to speak and all that, I looked down at some point and realized I had my tennis shoes on that I had flown on the airplane with my comfortable shoes. And I thought, Oh no. But nobody seemed to notice. I think they did because I had a dress. So I think they did. But I was wearing 
old tennis shoes. <laughs> you were a, you were a fashion trendsetter, undoubtedly. <laughs> Evidently, but you know what? I still was not the, the lowest seller. I still sold packages, and out of maybe eight speakers, I think I was a third or fourth. Yeah. So maybe those were my lucky shoes. <laughs> but it was it was embarrassing though. I felt embarrassed. Like as soon as I came down off the stage, I excused myself and went to my room and changed. <laughs> All right. So when you and I were talking before we got started today, Connie, you mentioned some kind of tool that you've created that can help people who are kind of stuck, so to speak. So can you tell people what that is and where they can go get that? Yes. So we have to take action. And the way that we succeed with anything is to turn those actions into habits. So I've created something called the Action Habits Challenge, and that's where it's at, actionhabitschallenge.com. And that will give you guidance. You'll get an email every couple of weeks. You'll be able to connect with me. I'll connect you with other people as well that will be helpful to your journey. And especially with speaking, we have so many speakers that I'm sharing within Action Habits Challenge. And I'd love for you to come aboard for that. And that way you'll have easy access to me and to other people that will be beneficial to you. And what other ways can people get into your world if they so choose, Connie? And tell little people about, other than writing screenplays now, <laughs> you know, what, what else are you doing? Well, um, a lot of writing. I, I do so much writing. And, you know, I was a non-writer. I, I came online as a non-writer, realized immediately I was going to have to write, struggled to write 250 to 300 word articles and blog posts my first year or so, and was determined to get into the habit of writing. So I write more hours a day than I do any other thing. And that's why I always have the next book in mind and things like that. And then the volunteer work during the middle of my days, that's what I'm doing. I serve food at the senior center. I just do a variety of things. That's a great joy to me because I grew up very poor and we didn't take my, it was my mother and I, we didn't take full advantage of things that were available in the community. And so now that's my goal. And with Rotary, I'm the chair of the grants committee. So finding those nonprofits that are serving people, that's, so much fun for me it's so satisfying all right so and again back to the question how they else can they get involved in your world if they so choose all right well my favorite social media is twitter which is now x and you can find me at twitter.com slash connie green and it's just connie green because connie reagan green would have been one letter too many and i don't pay attention to anything that's going on there that's political or anything other than just my world of writing and speaking and marketing. And it's just a wonderful community. So if people connect with me there, I'd, I'd love to hear from you. All right. We'll make sure that appears in the show notes down below. So Connie, thank you so much for joining me today and being my guest. It's great to catch up with you and hear what all you got going on for everybody listening out there. Thank you for joining us today. As always, I wish you the greatest of success in all that you do, and may this year be your greatest year yet. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. This has been the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway. Be sure to join us every week as we interview speaking industry pros and have them share their best tips for building a profitable speaking business. Until next week, thank you for tuning in, and remember to visit our website at spotlightonspeaking.com so you can enjoy even more great episodes like this one. While you're here, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Spotlight on Speaking Show. Until then, 
Our sincere best wishes to you for the greatest of success as you work to build your own profitable speaking business. Thank you.